All right. Well, as you come in and uh, and grab a seat, I'm going to uh, go. We we did get a couple of submissions um, for the uh, I guess the question you know time our panel discussion here. Uh, if I can get back to those and find them here. There we go. Um, and so it's interesting to me that you know Jude. He seems with all of the things that he could talk about in the midst of that, he he seems to kind of rise above the fray. And I love how the doxology just you know, points us to that of what's most important. Um, but I think as we talk through this, I think practically when we think about it, um, you know, this picture of contending will require us at times to, to take issue with individuals, uh, will require us to, um, to have to have a public stance on things, and, and I think a public stance against certain false teachers and others. And so... I think it'd be helpful for us to kind of engage in that conversation. In fact, we've had two, uh, two questions. I want, I want to read this one because it's, it's a pretty extensive question. Um, but it said, provided it's in the proper context of the sermon, would a pastor be justified in specifically naming false teachers from the pulpit? An example, suppose you're preaching through Matthew 3 and the baptism of Jesus, a wonderful opportunity to discuss the Trinity and articulating an orthodox understanding of it. We might also mention T.D. Jakes, who holds to modalism. Possible justification, not only is the body hearing what the Trinity is, they're also hearing an example of what it's not, as well as a warning to beware of a prominent figure who holds to not merely a a heterodoxical view, but a heretical one. Um, And so maybe talk to us a little bit, um, you know, kind of when we're engaging with, you know, certain uh, doctrines, when we know that there is at least a prominent figure who holds to a a heretical view, How, how do we approach that and what do we say? Yeah, I think I think it's certainly permissible to do it. I, I would call it problematic if you're doing that every week, and uh, said so, so that your pulpit becomes more of who can I bash today. Uh, I would be judicious in it, but I would not shrink from it. And if there are, uh, I mean, I've had times where I might say a pastor in such and such a place, well, everybody knows who I'm talking about. You know, if I'm talking about, um, uh, you know, what Andy Stanley did in wanting to unhitch the unhitch us from the Old Testament, um, you know, a prominent pastor of a very large church with many campuses in Atlanta. Well, that's that's you know pretty you know pretty clear. So I, I might do something like that. But I, I had times where I would mention specific folks, and I think we have biblical precedent. You know. Uh, you know, whether it's Hymenaeus and Alexander or Alexander the Coppersmith, uh, we, we certainly have precedent on that. I, I think we've got to make sure we don't do it in a haughty way. And so we approach it with grief if we, if we mention someone. You know, I, I do not relish mentioning Andy Stanley as being off track. I, I do not relish that. Uh, it is grieving, and and I think he's it's damaging the things that he says, but I I don't relish it, and so I think we got to be careful in how we do it. Uh, I think you know T D Jakes heresy is heresy, and we need to state that. But again, we've got to guard how we do that, that we don't come across as I'm the one that understands all truth, and I've got it all. So we approach it with. With uh, great humility. 
Yeah, I, I would even say where recently I was helped by someone naming someone just because I was unaware. Um, I, I think there's, you know, like we even have reference with the Internet. There can be so many influences out there. But uh, the pastor who did it, I thought, very well was a pastor in our city named Ron Rice at Connect Church. And I think, it, you know, he'll take time, like if he's talking about a false teaching in a church, he, he will name a name. Now, it's not like an every week thing, which I think that's that's good wisdom from uh, Phil. Uh, uh, but uh, he actually did this on social media and, you know, posted, you know, pastor's name, even a video of what the pastor's teaching and saying, this is why this is false teaching. I'd never heard of the guy. Look him up. And supposedly he has some huge online influence, you know. And so um, I, think, I think on the flip side, though, like uh, if you're going to, yeah, we do need to be faithful at times to actually name names. I think we also need to be, be like uh, Paul and, and praise God when the gospel is being preached. Yeah. And it's n- yeah. maybe not in the same way that we would do, yeah. do it, right, in our, uh, I don't know, in our tribes or something like that. And so uh, I remember while one of our pastors was preaching through Philippians, and he just, yeah, he, he, did, he, was, a, he, he was exemplary in that, that you had these people who were actually preaching in spite of Paul, but they were preaching the gospel. And he's like, well, the gospel's being preached. <laughs> praise yeah. God. So I think... We need to do both. Yeah. That passage has chastened me many times when I get on my high horse and I'm ready to, you know, throw my club down on somebody. And it's like, but Christ is being preached. Yeah, not the way you would like to see it done, but Christ is being preached. And have the spirit of Paul on that one. Yeah, yeah to have a gospel-affirming mindset. You know, just a disposition to want to affirm that which is praiseworthy. And yet we are aware that there are major departures, um, particularly in the evangelical world in, in America where uh, YouTube and the Internet and uh, just broadcast things uh, far and wide to be able to, you know, teaching our people to, to learn discernment by mentioning, um, you know, popular teaching that is, you know, you need to avoid that. And um, to the tone in which we express our disagreement is critical. So I think it's part of discipling them. Yeah, I love, too, I think, you know, when we look at verse 17 to verse 23, it helps to guard us from, you know, I guess kind of getting toward an attitude where it's just more controversial and who can we call out. It helps to keep us on track, you know, as far as making sure our hearts are in the right place and motivations are correct in doing that. But it is helpful to the congregation to say what is false teaching because, you know, I, I think our people may not even know sometimes, um, may not be aware of it, you know. And, and I would say make sure it's something you know because you've seen it, not, not secondary source, primary source, you've seen it or you've read it. I remember I was critiquing something on T.D. Jakes. I went to his church website and I read their doctrinal statement went, okay, this isn't hearsay. This is the foundation of the guy's teaching that, uh, that one is Pentecostalism. So make sure you, you do that. Do not take anything you hear on the Internet and, and, and say, I'm running with this, unless you've done due diligence. That's just, I mean, I, we, we need to do that. Yeah, more taking it that they would... You know, if we were to debate them, they would defend their position yeah. on it, um, yeah. and because they're they are, this is their belief, not just yeah. you know a, a random quote somewhere that could be taken one way or another. Yeah. yeah. 
Chris, I was thinking too, you know, just um, over the last 20 years or so, the ascendancy of uh, these dis discernment blocks and the tone that takes where every everything's a problem and how that burns out relationships and quenches the spirit and uh, often they're self-appointed, um, you know, offering their leadership to the church to yeah. right all the wrongs. And while we we need to have a polemic to our pastoral ministry where we're um, addressing error and revealing it and exposing it, I think Phil talked about that balance. Every week's a problem. <laughs> Who's it going to be against this week? Always ranting and raving about. So to be measured, to be focused, to really deal on that, which is a departure from sound doctrine, and, um, and that to be you know, a faithful aspect of our pastoral work. Yep. We, we can give our people a false sense of righteousness when they, they're living their lives against others, all the time they think I'm right instead of saying no you're not right your righteousness is in Christ it's not in your stand that's right the righteousness is in Christ and so you don't want people to get a false sense of rightness in their uh, their attack on someone else you want to see that righteousness in Christ and I think that's what brings a spirit of humility when we're boldly calling out someone and, you know, I think the mindset can be we live in a culture that says if it's popular, it's good. If it's popular, you've got weight. And so we're standing behind our pulpits and preaching and we're trying to identify error. And it's like the mindset could be, well, who do you think you are? Well, Phil, just like you said, <laughs> it's not about me. It's not about um, it's about Christ and his righteousness and the truth. I'm, I'm on the second volume and I'm. Lord willing, I'll finish it soon on Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Ian Murray. <laughs> um, and Lloyd-Jones says, we're not interested in numbers. We're interested in truth and the living God. My dear brother, <laughs> we are not interested in numbers, but in truth and the glory of God. Chris, I think, um, I think a good culture where like critique or naming can come out of when it's very clear to our church that we love the Catholic Church, and I mean by that just you know the universal church. So we confess the Apostles' Creed every week, but more so than that, we try to pray for other churches in the city throughout the week. And and I think like what that does is um, it builds a sense of charity. It it also keeps us, I think, protects us and helps us to Lord willing be humble as a church that we're not the ones that have it right, but Praise God, there are other churches in our city, in our state, throughout the nations that are worshiping Jesus and preaching the gospel. And I think when you have that culture, when you speak to the uh, name and a name, it's clear that, you know, we're doing this out of a sense of, like, sobriety and, um, and love for the church. And I think, like, what Jim was touching on, even with just, like, the discernment blocks, I kind of feel like they do the opposite. <laughs> it gets in kind of this nitpicking, like, tribalistic, always even fault finding, always finding something wrong with our brothers and sisters just because they don't dot their I's and cross the T's like we do it. Yeah. Well, even when we think about the corporate reality, build yourselves up you know, in your most holy faith, building, it's it should be edifying, yeah. you know, yeah. not, not tearing down. And I think you know, that whole propensity we have to shoot our own sometimes uh, instead of helping each other pass something that if we truly have a concern you know, within even our own denominations and those things, let us go to them and first 
let's let's try to work it out instead of just you know taking a shot somewhere uh, that tears down ultimately and doesn't build up. Um, and I think in, in a large scale in the in the body of Christ we should do that. So um, yeah, incredibly helpful. Um, so kind of the discernment blog kind of idea. Uh, question was submitted about Doug Wilson, the the Moscow mood. Um, you know, is there a place for those kinds of things? Um, help us think through, you know, that. Um, maybe even, you know, Jim, I know you're pretty familiar with it. Um, you know, kind of even give everybody maybe a rundown. Of- yeah, I, I just, um, Doug Wilson has some incredible gifts. He's an incredible wordsmith. He's a, a, a brilliant man. Um, he has a, a strong grasp of theology and philosophy uh, he's creative. Um, his blog is entitled Blog and May Blog. And um, he's prolific in his writing. Um, you know, but he's, he's uh, very combative, in my, my opinion, and has been um, really advocating for things that I don't think help the cause and uh, un- unnecessarily wounding and attacking those in the camp. Um, I think Kevin DeYoung wrote a really strong response to that, uh, I think 3,000, 4,000 word response to the concerns with the movement in Moscow, Idaho, which is where, where he's located. So, um, you know, that kind of ministry falls into the camp, into the category for me that uh, I never could, you know, really endorse that as a, a go-to for yeah. um for ministry, um, despite the wonderful contributions he has made on things, um, there's a, a lot of question, and particularly how he badgers and attacks and his followers too. You know, um, making that an endorsement, saying, "Hey, you need to really follow him and check that out." I would do so with great caution. Yeah, we we had a, a family that wanted to join our church, so the guy and I went out to lunch and. Somewhere in the conversation, actually early in the conversation, he said, well, tell me what you think about Doug Wilson. I said, well, I think he's a brilliant guy. He's written on all kinds of subjects, very knowledgeable, and he's a flamethrower. And, and I think he's dangerous, and I don't think it's healthy to follow him. He said, well, I happen to like him. I said, well, you may like him, um, but I want you to know we as a body of elders do not think that it's healthy to follow him. Because it turned out, this guy, this guy was always very nice to me and very respectful toward me, but he would meet with some of our guys, and he was trying to turn them toward the patriarchy, which I think is horrible, horrible teaching. I think it's destructive to families and destructive to churches. Beside that, um, he, uh, he, he was trying to really undermine and try to bring in that Will, Doug Wilson kind of thinking into this group and – Fortunately, our guys just kept standing up to him and calling his hand on it. And, and, and the guy, I mean, he stayed in our church six months and then got, went, ended up going to a church that was an, over an hour away to find somebody that agreed with him. If you've got to hunt that long to find somebody that agrees with you, there's probably something a little bit wrong with your thinking. And I saw the effects on this guy's marriage. I mean, I could look at his wife and think, you're beaten down, not physically, but you're you're emotionally beaten down because of that patriarchal, heavy-handed 
demanding kind of, of spirit. And I don't think Doug Wilson has helped us at that. I think his view of Christian liberty is has been destructive with a number of, of especially the young generation. And, and I think guys have gotten to some real problematic areas. Um, and I think the gospel, even though Doug Wilson will talk the gospel, thankfully, so we Philippians 1, we rejoice in that. I think he distracts from it with all these side issues. Um, and with the, you know, the, the covenant membership and all that kind of stuff. There, it just, there's some things that, uh, not covenant the way we think about covenant membership, but babies with covenant membership. Uh, I think it's very distracting. It's very harmful. So I never got on a rant against him in, in the pulpit, but... I was not shy at all in small groups, in one-on-one, in, in talking about it. And uh, I remember using one of his books. I was preaching through Ecclesiastes, and he had some great stuff in it. I mean, really good. But I didn't want to quote him publicly because I didn't want my people to think, oh, Pastor Phil's okay with us reading Doug Wilson. I'm not okay with that. I don't think it's good. Yes, similar uh, sentiment here. I, there's ways I've been helped by Doug Wilson, and uh, but I would share the same sympathies. I think or uh, the same sentiment, like what Kevin DeYoung wrote um, about the mood. Like, I, th- there's even parenting like things that I say that are like directly from Doug Wilson. Like, I remember one time when he talked about discipline, he said, "Your no needs to come in a world of yes," and I think that's great advice for fathers, you know. And 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 I think about that and I communicate that. I think Doug Wilson is a brother and I think like uh they uh, have produced some good things like Joe Rigney they they they've done some really great things but I think like yeah it's the it's the uh, attacking of other brothers just because they don't have your mood or that 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 you're not courageous then and and I just I have a problem with just that I I think like we need to be very careful to not impugn to mischaracterize because I do think my mood is maybe a little different than the Moscow mood, but I also think there's a lot of people in Moscow, Idaho, who would not live where I live in New Orleans. And so, like, I think, like, that can be an unfair characterization to say, you're not courageous. Well, I mean, would it be unfair for me to look at you and say, well, it looks like you're trying to just enjoy a nice life in Idaho and not live in a hard place and share the gospel. Maybe you're not, like, I don't don't want to think about my brothers or sisters. I just want to say... We have different gifts, different burdens, and so that's going to play out, you know, in different ways in which we do ministry. And and I think just even uh, looking at um, I, one of the conferences they do, and I think it's maybe in a podcast as well, like it's literally the name of it's Fight, Laugh, Feast, which I think, yeah, we're even, we're talking about contending earnestly. We're not against fighting, but when that's the first descriptor of your conference, like I don't think like that's how we're to be defined as Christians, you know, it's, yeah, so, um, but I think a lot of these things are also like catching, or uh, uh, the influence is being uh, influential, I guess, because of the time that we're in in America, where I feel like you have a lot of Christians who feel like we're losing, and, and I think they see in Doug Wilson someone, I'll show you how to fight, and I think that's attractive to, to a lot of people, and so it's, yeah, I, I don't know how much influence it's, uh, but but I think there's a lot of yeah uh, American Christians who are like 
yeah, yeah, we need it. We need it. We need to contend in this way. Yeah. So in a world with so many voices, how do we as pastors, without I guess it coming across in a self-serving way, how do how do we I guess I- implement a voice that leads our people, you know, to I guess to value you know what we say from Scripture, um, you know, how, how is it that that singular voice? I guess, rises above all of these thousands of others that they could listen to. You know, that I, Phil alluded to, you know, having someone come into your church and they, they really have an agenda, you know, what, wanting to know how do you think about this teaching and there's so many influencers in, in, the, in, in the world. I think that's a, a real test, uh, you know, just um, through the years having people come in who have certain things they're wanting their pastor to align with. And uh, that inevitably it becomes a problem because we never match up. Mm-hmm. It's never good enough. And really, for all practical purposes, their allegiance is with this influencer or teacher some other place where they know all the messages and the podcasts and the material coming out of that ministry. And I think it's helpful to be able to walk among our people and to say, you know, this is the church God's called us to and the commitments that he's called us to. And you're really going to have to determine... Um, is this where God's leading you to be? And if so, there's a, there's a mandate for you to, to follow your leaders. Um, we're not talking about sin issues. We're just talking about trying to f- be a faithful church. And you seem dissatisfied. And often on the hot seat, I, you know, just through the years, people come in. I remember um, this one uh, older couple came in, and they were, he pulled me aside and visited, you know, less than a month, you know, everything was great in the service, but we just really didn't like the backbeat on the bass guitar or something like that. And to be able to say to him, you know, I don't think you're going to do well here because you're sharing, you're sharing a concern no one else has. You know, this is a guy who's used to coming in and throwing his opinions around and you, it becomes this exercise and well, let's make sure he's okay. Who's got time for that? You know, um, and that often early on in ministry, that's the kind of battles you're having to face with soakers (laughs) who are in the woodwork of that church. And, um, you know, so much time is given to that. And it's a mistake, I think, pastorally to cater to that kind of thing at all, just to be able to say, you know, that's. Yeah, we we have to be really discerning with with people having agendas and. Um, that's where I think our membership process is so important and we take it seriously we don't scrimp on it Um, I can tell you horror stories about the last church I pastored uh, before we implemented our membership process and it all came back and bit me big time and just about did me in uh, and it and it was you know just folly not having that, and we we need to be very clear on this is who we are, this is what we're about, and I think it's good to state now you know if if you're coming here and you you want us to be something other than who we are, now we want to keep growing in Christ and maturing, we haven't arrived, but but you see the trajectory we're on, if you if you want to take us somewhere else. You need to find somewhere else. I mean, it's okay to do that and do it as kindly as possible. Uh, and then 
when you sense people that have gotten in, like you know, like those folks you you just mentioned, uh, and like the guy that um, that that was uh, Doug Wilsonite that got into our church, uh, when you when you see guys that have that kind of spirit, I, th- I think it's important for us to sit down with them and say, look, I think you're trying to trying to move our people in a different direction than where we are. Now we want to grow. We're not unteachable. We want to learn. We've got faults. So. You, you state where you're going and and let us listen to it. You can sit down with the elders if you want to, and we'd be glad to listen to you. But un, until we're in agreement with you, you do not have free reign to come in to this congregation and try to move them in a different direction. You, you've not been appointed to shepherd this congregation. We're the ones who are going to be giving an account before a holy God for this church. And right now... Your your uh, thoughts are, are not are not moving us in the right way. So, I mean, we can be bold and firm and be kind and gracious, but we have to be bold and firm. Yeah. I think one thing that I've tried to push kind of with this Internet age of just there's so many voices out there that can influence um, is just to really push uh, the value of local um, physical people who know you and that you can know them. I mean, how many, I mean, I know there's been people who's had pastors that they didn't know physically and they showed themselves to not to be living a double life and that, you know, damaged their, you know, faith and probably took them through a harsh season. But, but just think how, how much more of a situation you're creating by just trying to follow someone and you have no opportunity to see how they speak to their wife, how do they speak to their children. And just, and I think like, as you speak that, like people can see the wisdom of that. Like, yeah, I, my pastor may not be as smart as, you know, Tim Keller or John Piper, or, you know, many of the evangelicals who have shaped us. But, like, I can know him and, and he can know me. And, 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 and I'll, just to show you just how bad it can get, uh, I referenced a guy that we um, sadly had to uh, excommunicate from our church. One of the last phone conversations I had with him as I'm pleading with him to repent, um, he had been really influenced by John MacArthur, like, just watching YouTube videos. And uh, he was disagreeing with me on just like on, on steps that we were taking to to remove him from the church. And he starts quoting John MacArthur to me while he's in his apartment with the girlfriend that he's living with. And I'm just like, man, like this is the problem of having online influence. It's like because the reality is John MacArthur would be agreeing with me. In this moment, but because John MacArthur's distance, he thinks he's can take this random ammo uh, that he's heard from him somewhere. It, it can get that like you know s- silly, you know. So just trying to push, man. Be plugged in physical and trust yourself to pastors that you can see, know, hear how they speak uh, to their kids, hear them even confess their own weaknesses. Like be known by those people and and know them. Teach good ecclesiology to your church. I mean, just regularly, never presume. Don't go into a church uh, uh, as a pastor and think, okay, these people understand what the church is. They might. They probably don't. And even if you've taught good ecclesiology for years, don't presume everybody remembers what you've taught. Keep teaching good ecclesiology. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a valuable thing because we live in a world, too, where you can go to Spotify and find people who have no physical congregation, no, no 
place where they're a local pastor of, and yet they're calling themselves pastors on, yeah. you know, on Spotify and, and posting sermons and, uh, and, you know, such a huge danger in, in the world in which we live as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, so maybe as we kind of wrap up and, and begin moving towards closing, um, we, we looked today, you know, certainly at doxology and looking at, at the realities of Christ and how he keeps us. What are some personal devotional practices that would help in our, our contending? And certainly, you know, we, can, we, we, we don't know what they would not be, but, but maybe like for you, as you think about your, your pastoral ministry, um, what's one that maybe you wish you would have cultivated earlier or one that you say has been extremely valuable? Um, and, and do you have a framework or a reference to why it was so valuable or what led you to that? Uh, I know that's a pretty thick question for a brief moment, but... Um, the, I think one thing that I wish I'd have started earlier in my devotion time was reading through the whole Bible every year, and I, I started that a number of years ago, and, that, and that's, been a, that's been helpful because you, you're regularly going through the Scripture. You're, you're regularly seeing the connections. You're, you're regularly putting the dots together. Uh, you're, you're being fed out of every genre of biblical literature. And I think it just, it, it just adds to the well so that you get in a conversation and go, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, just got through reading this in my devotion time a couple of days ago. Um, so that, that's been a practice that, um, that has been super helpful to me. And I, you know, some guys say, well, I like to have just a small passage and focus on that. And, and I understand that. Um, and I try to zero in on, on a passage somewhere in my reading. And, I, and I'll read Old Testament, the wisdom literature, and New Testament. And that's part of my reading every day. It, I don't do the McChain plan. I like it. But I'm, I'm doing something where I go through the Old Testament twice and the, the wisdom literature um, usually about four or five times and New Testament four or five times. And, and that, that just works better for me in this season of my life. I couldn't do that when I was your age because I had kids at home and, it, and my schedule wouldn't, wouldn't allow. But, but I, can, I can be more leisurely. So make chain work well then for me. Yeah, yeah I, I've been really helped. I think probably since 2019, because I remember it was around the time my grandma died, and I remember her being on her deathbed and hearing her uh, voice out uh, Psalm 23 um, in her last moments of dying. And I, was, and I just remember thinking, how many young people, it's a popular psalm, but how many young people in my church could recite that on their deathbed to comfort their soul? And, um, and so the, I just, it made me want to just start living in the psalms more. And what I, I think what I've been helped by that is just the Psalms just really help guide you and your emotions and how to speak just refreshingly, honest, honestly to the Lord. And, to, um, you know, just seeing that a third of the Psalms are lament, I think, like, that's, that has been a service uh, to, to my soul. And so, um, yeah, the, our, we even introduced at our church, uh, we do a, a quarterly Psalm recitation so we'll recite the same psalm, uh, yeah, I guess for like 12 weeks, and, um, and, um, and then we'll rotate it out. But it just, just trying to massage into uh, the life of the church and even personally. And, and the only other thing I would say with that is like uh, we don't do this every night, but uh, at least a couple of times a week we'll, uh, after dinner we'll read 
a passage from the Bible, and then we'll sing. And, man, I've really just enjoyed singing, just as of recent, just singing uh, with my kids. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the two things that came to mind. From early in my Christian life, I, uh, I've read the Bible first thing every morning and um, have read, read it through um, over 30 years. Um, and it's impacted my pastorate because I'm, I've really, in a recurring way, have um, called our people to be people of the book. The last, um, the last sermon every year going into the new year is every year the year of the Bible, and we emphasize... Um, uh, bringing in Bible reading plans, and we there are more than you could ever choose. I often joke around that they even have one for left-handed bowlers. You know, you just pick one that, and and the best Bible reading plan is the one that you use. Yeah, Amen. And so, um, you know, just uh, I, I think personally, Chris, uh, just um, starting the day, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, declaring our love for Him every day. Lord, I love you, and I want to live my life for you today. Please help me to pray in the Spirit. Because you know what I'll face today and where to emphasize my prayers. Um, to take in the importance of memorizing and meditating on the scripture. That's the ballast that keeps us from a thousand errors and uh, keeps us focused on what we need to focus on. Um, there's no replacing a devotional life, a personal love for Christ. Um, I'm finding, too, that often when it comes to preaching, I'm just saying to the Lord first thing when I put my feet on the ground, Lord, put your word in my mouth today. Um, as I seek to be faithful to you, um, and to have a church that's that loves the the Word of God, um, when all I, I find it interesting in that kind of terrorizing passage in Second Thessalonians two, where the man of lawlessness is being described, it's like wow, the vortex of chaos that's coming, and what keeps you from being sucked up into that vortex? Paul says. You love the truth, not merely ascending to it, not merely acknowledging it, but you love it. And um, I think there's a difference between just reading the Bible as a rote duty and loving what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what keeps you planted and not blown about by every wind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so final thought, um, biggest takeaway from the conference this weekend for each of you. I'm encouraged about contending without being contentious. And I think that's stuck with me the, the way you, you nailed that right at the beginning. Um, I'm encouraged to remember ju- the judgment of God in a positive way, not just in the negative way, as, uh, as we were being exhorted last night, uh, to, to use that as a a springboard for rejoicing in the Lord, thanking him for his mercies, remembering the kindness of God, um, burdening us for the loss. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged by the spiritual disciplines that are to be regular in our lives as the, the passage that, that you were dealing with this morning. Uh, that, I mean, you know, we, we can read that uh, and, you know, build yourselves up in most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, keep yourselves in the love of God. We can read that and just kind of bounce over it. Uh, you know, show mercy to some, 
but these are these are actions we need to live in those actions you know how do i live as a christian oh build yourselves up in the most holy faith pray in the holy spirit keep yourselves in love of god um, show mercy to people around you feel for them hurt for them show them mercy be tender um, th- those are reminders and that's um that's very kind of anti-Moscow from, you know, from what we see. And, and I, I think a, a good reminder that we don't need to get our Christianity from the Internet. We need to get it from the Word. So. I even share with Chris, I think one of the big things that has uh, stuck out with me and just ways, just areas, I think, of repentance and just pastoring better and working with my other pastors better is just being more prayerful and just like... I think the temptation in elders' meetings is just like to just try to hammer out over and over and over again, just like, well, this is what I think, this is what you think, you know, and just trying to, you know, yeah, just battle with ideas sometimes. When, and just like, or just uh, maybe it's a situation where it's a difficult situation um, and you just don't really know what to do. And, I, yeah, I think sometimes I'm just, because my person, I'm just given to like, I just need to read another book. <laughs> Or I just need to talk to one more person, which those things are helpful. But if I'm doing all those things without um, just, yeah, prayerful dependency, then, like, yeah, I just, yeah, I, 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 I'm walking away, I think, just wanting to pray, pray more um, personally and, yeah, just with my pastors. I'm just really encouraged by the young pastors I've met at this conference that are in South Louisiana and your passion for ministry and your, your, you know, willingness to come and attend a, uh, this conference and just the friendships I'm praying that will be forged as we're running the race together and having to contend. We sang earlier that Isaac Watts hymn, are there no foes for me to face? Well, there are, you know, and that's what I, I think the message of Jude helps us uh, and to do to remember where our destiny is, as Phil outlined for us in 24 through 25. I would just want to say to the many first-timers and those who are repeaters uh, with us, we're so thankful for this fellowship. If I personally, and I speak for Chris as well, if we could ever be of help to you, um, we would be glad to take you to lunch. All you have to do is contact us. And um, we want to stay in touch in the coming year uh, that we might see the cause of Christ built up in South Louisiana to the ends of the earth. Brothers, we appreciate your presence here. Um, thank you for, for coming, and um, we look forward to, uh, to being able to announce a date about next year uh, you know, very soon and, uh, and give you all of the details. Uh, we hope that you'll be, uh, be ready for that and, uh, and plan on coming with us. Uh, but I'm going to turn it over to Jim to close us with a word of prayer and uh, to dismiss us. And before we do go to the Lord, I just, uh, Phil, thank you for coming, and uh, we love thank your you ministry. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. I've loved this. It's yeah. been wonderful. Wow. Lord, we're so grateful that you're able. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. You're able to keep that which we've committed to you until that day. You're able um, to present us blameless before your presence with great joy and for your glory. I thank you for these brothers. And now as we make our way home and prepare for tomorrow's uh, ministry, may you refresh us in your truth. And may we walk in the Spirit. Put your word in our mouth as we seek to obey you and faithfully serve in your mighty name. Amen.